Hi, friends. Before we get started, we just wanted to let you know that Mark Sandin and I are going to be debuting our new live show really soon. It's called Your Brain is Magic. We'll be at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota on October 27th at 2 p.m. There's a game show, magic tricks, and even a little bit of dancing. You can find out more and get your tickets at brainson.org slash events. Hope to see you there. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Lie, we're ready for you on set. Hey, thanks, Gary. And Gary? What is it, Lie? I really want to just say thanks for being here today and for being part of this commercial shoot. I think it's the best way to set the record straight about lying. Happy to help. And Gary? Yeah? Nice shirt. Thanks, Sly. My grandma got this for me. I wasn't sure if the neon pink pineapples were too much on top of the zebra print. But yeah, I like it too. Okay, see you on the set in a few. Bye, Gary. What a horrible shirt. listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is Elena from Edina, Minnesota. Hi, Elena. Hi, Molly. So you wrote in to us with the question that this whole episode is based on. Can you tell us what that question was? Why do we lie? So what made you curious about lying? Well, I really wanted to know why our brain would lie if we could just tell the truth. Yeah, like why we do that. It's yeah. a really good question. So why do you think we lie? Um, Maybe because in some situations it's easier to instead of telling the truth. So when would you say that lying is wrong? I would say it's wrong if it's something bigger than like how was your day or was that a good meal because that could actually affect someone bigger than Making them feel good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when would you say lying is like maybe okay? Like I said, probably like how's your day? You could say well instead of okay. Yeah. Or like I liked that pizza when you didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because maybe in the case of like how's your day, maybe you just don't want to tell them how your day was. You don't want to get into it. Yeah. Maybe you're too tired to talk about it. And it's easier to just say it was wonderful. Rather than all the things that happened in that day. So are there times when you lie? Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody does. (laughs) I don't know anybody or think anybody has ever not lied. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. So I'm pretty sure that we all know what a lie is. But it's kind of amazing when you stop and think how many different kinds of lies there are. You can lie by making something up. Or you can lie by leaving something out. You can exaggerate things. Or you can change the order that things happened in. There are big lies. Like if I said recently that I won an Oscar. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. And little lies. Like if I said, yes, Molly, I love the cheese and pickle sandwich you made me. You didn't like the sandwich? Note to self, next time make Elena a... Goat cheese and prosciutto sandwich. Got it. Prosciutto and goat cheese. On it. Anyway, we humans have clearly come up with a lot of ways to hide the truth. But why? Why do humans have so many ways to lie? 
Molly, Elena. Oh, hey, Mark. What's up? This just got dropped off in our daily postal pelican package. Pelicans deliver our packages. It's pretty practical. So what is it, Mark? It looks like a DVD and it has a note attached. It says, heard you were doing an episode about me. I think it's only fair you let me speak for myself. Signed, A. Lie. A lie? I'll put it on. You've heard the chants. You know the stories. Gee, Geppetto, I swear it wasn't me. Then what's with that nose, Pinocchio? But do you know... Me? Hi, I'm a lie, and this is my neighborhood. Yeah, I'm just like you. Hello, lie. Oh, hey, Paul. Great haircut. Thanks, buddy. I hate that haircut. But, you know... Humans evolved to be social creatures. You guys don't have a lot of natural defenses. So you found out you were stronger together, working as a group towards common goals. Like finding food and not being eaten. Hi, Lai. Oh, hey, Gloria. Thanks again for dropping that casserole off the other night. So good. Oh, my pleasure. See you around. It was disgusting. Any hoodle. Being part of this group was key to survival, so you humans are hardwired to care deeply about what other people think of you. So, you know, sometimes a little lie here or there can smooth the rough edges of social interaction. Like, nobody wants this. Hey, Roger. Oh, hey, lie. What's up? Your Christmas decorations are so tacky. You told me you loved the 3D light sculpture of Rudolph and Santa doing the hula. Now I feel sad and angry, and I don't think we can be friends anymore. See, if everyone did that all the time, society would be a mess. People would get into fights, throw fits, stop cooperating with each other, and lose all of the excellent advantages that come with teamwork. Now, I'll admit, we lies can be used for more nefarious purposes. I'm talking about lying to hurt someone's feelings, to get someone else in trouble, or lying to cover up something you did that you knew was wrong. Like telling Joni that the rabbits must have eaten all the carrots in her garden, when in fact it was you who stole the carrots in order to bake your blue-ribbon-winning carrot muffins. You would never do that. Hello, lie. Hello, Joni. You see, if Joni found out you were lying, people would know that you did something that went against the rules of your little social group. And that wouldn't be great. Mm-hmm. So take it from me, a lie. I've been helping humans get along for years. I'm part of your community. Just don't let me get out of hand. My tomatoes are gone. Lie, come back here. Ooh, gotta go. I'm making tomato sauce tonight. I'm a lie. And I approve this message. Brains on. Well, let's see if your ears will deceive you today. Mystery sound. It's time for the mystery sound. Here it is. What do you think? Any guesses? Um... Maybe it's like some birds chirping in a rainforest. Hmm, Excellent guess. Well, we'll be back with another chance to guess a little later in the show. 
Brains, brains, brains. None of us are born knowing how to lie. Just like walking and talking and reading and writing and pretty much everything else, we have to learn to do it. And even though it seems like a bad habit to pick up, learning to lie is actually a really important step in a child's development. Here to explain is our pal Sandin Totten. To understand how we learn to lie, let's start with a story. This is a version of a story scientists tell kids to see if they're able to lie yet. Trust me, it'll make sense in a minute. So imagine there's a kitchen, and on the counter, there's the biggest, chunkiest chocolate chip cookie you've ever seen. And into the kitchen walks Bob. Hello. Oh, what have we here? A giant cookie. Oh. Obviously, Bob wants to eat that cookie. I shall name it Chip P. McCookie Face, and it shall be my snack. <laughs> Oh, but wait, I can't eat a cookie without milk. Well, that would be like eating a hot dog without a bun or or spaghetti without watermelon. They just go together. Oh, man, out of milk. So Bob heads to the store. A BRB, Chip. I mean, Mr. McCookie Face. (laughs) Meanwhile... TV chef Kathy from Cooking with Kathy enters the picture. Oh, that's where I left you, my perfect chocolate chip creation. I call it Queen Chocolina, and it rules the land of Chipperdonia. Now let's put you in the fridge for safekeeping, your highness. There you go. Oh, time for my show, BRB, Queen Chocolina. Kathy leaves, and right after that, Bob is back. Mr. McCookie Face, I've got good news. The milkman cometh. <laughs> oh, wait. Mr. McCookie Face isn't on the counter? Okay, pause right here. I'm going to ask a seemingly obvious question. It's the same question scientists ask young kids to see if they have what it takes to lie. The question is, does Bob know where the cookie is? I mean, no, right? He wasn't there when it was moved. We know it's in the fridge, but Bob doesn't know what we know. But here's the interesting thing. A lot of really young kids, like before age three or so, they'll say, yeah, Bob knows where the cookie is. He knows it's in the fridge. You see, they think, because I know where the cookie is, everyone must know where the cookie is. Kids under the age of three or so think we all have the same information all the time. But the older kids, they know that's not true. They know we all have different brains and we each know different things. This idea that it's possible to know things that other people don't is called theory of mind. So when you have this theory of mind, it means that you understand what's in somebody else's mind and you understand that they may have different beliefs and thoughts and emotions to yourself. That's Penny Van Bergen. She teaches educational psychology at Macquarie University in Sydney, Australia. She says no one is born with a theory of mind. We develop the skill somewhere between ages two and four. Before that, young kids and babies go around thinking anything they know or feel, everybody knows or feels. But once they realize that's not true something big happens. When you understand that other people have different thoughts to yourself, different emotions, different beliefs, then you also work out that you can trick them. You can tell a lie to them and they might believe that lie even though you know that it's not true. And that's when lying starts. Now, don't get me wrong, these aren't good lies. The stories are outlandish. The characters are unbelievable. The plots have so many holes, like 
I didn't eat the cake. I don't know how the cake got on my face and my hands. Must have fallen from the sky when it was raining cake. Bad lie. See? But soon, kids get better at it. The lies become more convincing and harder to spot. But luckily, Penny says something else starts to happen around that same time that keeps kids from lying all the time. Also, what happens at that same time is moral development um, occurs. And so even though you have the ability to lie, you become much better at distinguishing when it's appropriate to lie and when it might hurt other people to lie. Kids start developing morals. That means kids start learning the difference between right and wrong. They also learn to empathize with others. That means they can understand when someone else is feeling sad or happy, and it makes them feel happy or sad too. And you know what makes this moral development possible? Once again, it's theory of mind. So certainly having the understanding that other people have different emotions sets you up really well to develop morally and to think empathically. Um, and so, you know, understanding that somebody else might be really sad about something is really important for, for being able to empathize with them and to kind of, you know, try to comfort them. So the same mental skill that gives kids the ability to lie also eventually gives them the ability to see the world through someone else's eyes. And it may take some time, but with the right guidance, kids will realize lying often hurts people. And since they themselves don't like being lied to, they can imagine other people won't like it either. Which is pretty cool, right? Well, that's all well and good, but what about Mr. McCookie Face? Did it just disappear? Oh, you mean Queen Chocolina? It's in the fridge. I was going to eat it all by myself, but I can tell you were really excited to taste my wonderful confectionery masterpiece. If I was in your shoes, I'd be sad. How about we split it? You'd do that for me? Oh, thank you, Kathy. Oh, oh and I brought milk. Perfect. Cheers, Bob. To theory of mind. To theory of mind. Well... Back to you, Molly and Elena. We're working on an episode all about why we kind of like scary things. Like monsters. Ah, scary. But also kind of fun scary. And we have a question for you. What about a scary switcheroo? Monsters are the ones who usually get to do all the scaring. But how would you scare a monster? Tell us at brainson.org slash contact. Elena, how would you scare a monster? I would probably hide behind the monster and jump up and yell boo. (laughs) And see if it got startled. That's a really good plan. I think I would... I don't know. I feel like monsters might be, like, not as into, like, bright, shiny things. Like, they might like the darks. Maybe I would shine, like, a rainbow lamp that glittered at them, and they would be so terrified by this bright rainbow glittery thing that they would run away yeah that's a good plan it's a little more convoluted than your plan which was very elegant and simple um so we want to hear your ideas to listeners send them to us at brainson.org slash contact that's also where you can send in your questions your drawings your mystery sounds that's where we got this magnificent question from kathy do we still get sponges from the sea or are they made out of something different? I hope we don't get them from the sea anymore. That's awful. 
Stay tuned for the answer during the moment of um at the end of the show. After that, you'll hear the latest listeners to join the Brains Honor Roll. Keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Elena. And I'm Molly. We've been talking about why we lie, and it's pretty complicated. We know we're supposed to tell the truth. But sometimes that's difficult. Our pal, Danny Weinkoff, has been keeping a list of times people feel they need to lie. And here is that list in song form. It's called Sometimes We Lie. Sometimes we lie, sometimes we lie, sometimes we lie. Sometimes we lie.
When he's not writing songs about lying, you can find Danny Weinkoff playing bass for the band They Might Be Giants. Find more of Danny's original songs at dannyweinkoff.com. All right, now that our ears have been delighted by the sweet sounds of that song, let's go back to another sonic treat, the mystery sound. Let's hear it again. I still think it sounds like a bird chirping, but maybe it's like a bird chirping to another bird. The Mm -hmm. other bird's chirping back. They're chatting, having a little chat. Yes. I love it. Well, let's hear the answer. The sound that you just heard was a capuchin monkey giving a predator alarm call in the jungle of Argentina. A capuchin monkey may sometimes use this call to lie to other monkeys when they are competing for food like peanuts or bananas to scare the other monkeys away so that it can get some food for itself. So I'm going to say you were close. It was animals communicating with each other. Totally right. But not a bird, a monkey. I'm very surprised because I didn't know monkeys could sound like that. Yeah, it's a very specific call they make. So Donna Keene, who we just heard, she studies how monkeys talk to each other at the University of Stirling in Scotland. Usually, capuchin monkeys use this call as a predator warning. The call means, look out for that snake. It might eat you. But sometimes monkeys also use this same call to trick each other. When they make this call when they're competing for food... It causes the other monkeys to run away so that the monkey who made the call can run in and grab some food for himself. So one explanation would be that the monkey thinks, okay, I can't get any access to this food. If I pretend that there's a predator, then the other monkeys will think that there's a snake or something like that nearby and they'll run away and then I can get some food. So that would be really complex thinking. The other explanation would be, say all the the big strong monkeys are feasting on some food and as a small, maybe quite weak monkey, you're not really getting any access. Maybe one time you just make the alarm call. It's just random. And you notice that everyone runs away and you get some food. You might not know why they've run away. You don't know that they think there's a predator there. You just know when I make this call, they leave. And this is perfect for me because then I can get some food. So we don't know if capuchins know they're tricking the other monkeys or if they're making this call more randomly. But either way, if you imagine that you're another capuchin monkey, you want to pay attention to all alarm calls, even the ones that could be fibs. If there was a predator there, that's obviously very, very dangerous. It's really important that you avoid that predator because they could seriously injure you or harm you. Even if it is feeding competition and you think, well, this monkey could be lying, it probably is still beneficial for you to run away just in case. Because if you don't run away, it could be um, it could be really bad for you as a monkey. So for monkeys, it's very hard to tell a lie from the truth. And before you go patting yourself on the back, humans can only tell if someone is lying about half of the time. Can we make artificial intelligence better at detecting lies than we can? We've asked Angela Evans to weigh in. She's a psychologist at Brock University in Canada. Welcome, Angela. Thank you very much for having me, Elena. Is there ways to sometimes know if someone's lying, like if they're talking differently or something like that? It depends how you're looking at how they're talking at. 
uh, differently. So uh, one way we can look at it is the types of things that they say. Lie tellers are less likely to use something called personal pronouns. So those are words like I or me. So they want to distance themselves from the lie. So they're less likely to refer to themselves. Uh, they also tend to take longer to respond. In order to tell the truth, you just think about what happened and you tell the truth. But to tell a lie, you think about the truth, then you have to stop yourself from saying the truth. You have to hold the truth in memory and then come up with some alternative statement. And all of that takes time for our brain to do. So usually it takes a little bit longer for people to tell a lie than tell a truth. Are there things like with someone's eyes or smile that could be like a tell for if they're lying? So some people think that eyes are kind of the window to the truth. During a lie, it's often reported that people will blink more often or avoid eye contact or that there's pupil dilation. And this is sometimes true for lie tellers, but it's also a physiological reaction. And this physiological reaction of blinking and pupil dilation is also associated with nervousness. So when people are nervous, they're more likely to blink, their pupils are going to dilate, they're probably less likely to make eye contact. So it's really hard to conclude that someone's actually telling a lie if they're avoiding eye contact. Some people also think looking up into the left uh, means someone is telling a lie, but this has also been associated with thinking behavior. So if you have to try and come up with the answer to something, people will often look up and to the left as well. So a lot of our listeners may have seen a lie detector test in movies or TV shows, and those are in fact a real test called a polygraph. It tries to detect if someone is lying by measuring changes in things like blood flow and breathing or how much you sweat while being asked a series of questions. But it turns out that they are not super reliable at detecting lies. So are there other lie detection methods that scientists are working on? The field is looking at lots of different ways that we can maybe somehow figure out who's telling the truth and who's telling the lie. Some of the computer ways that the field is using to try and detect lies um, include things like thermal imaging. And this is imaging where you can look at whether or not there's some kind of increase in blood flow subdermally when someone's telling a truth or a lie. They've also looked at brain fingerprinting, so they look at brainwave activity, and this has actually been something that's really exciting because it's, it's looking quite accurate at detecting whether or not someone is telling the truth or a lie. It seems to be much more accurate than the polygraph. It seems like your job would be a lot easier if people just told the truth more. Yeah, so given that we're actually really bad at detecting lies, a lot of the research has started looking at ways that we can encourage people to tell the truth instead of trying to figure out when they're actually telling a lie. And one of the simplest and easiest ways that we've found to encourage honesty is simply asking someone to promise to tell the truth. Hmm. So just asking people to tell the truth helps them to tell the truth. Yeah, and in particular, if you get them to verbalize that promise. So instead of saying, I want you to promise to tell the truth, and they say, okay, saying, I want you to say that I will promise to tell you the truth and get them to say, I promise I will tell the truth. And this promise acts as this verbal commitment. And what we found is that asking someone to promise to tell the truth before you ask them a question about something you want them to tell the truth about decreases lie telling by 30 or 40%. That's really interesting. Thank you, Angela. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was fun talking with you today. 
We aren't born knowing how to lie. It's something we learn as our brains get smarter. To lie, you have to be able to imagine what someone else is thinking. We're social animals, and lying can sometimes make it easier to live and cooperate with other people. But lying too much or about big things is not good for the social group we live in. Other primates also lie, but we're not sure they think about it the same way we do. It can be really hard to tell a lie from the truth, but telling the truth is usually the right thing to do. That's it for this journey to the land of lies. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Molly Bloom, and Sandin Totten. Manika Wilhelm is our super talented fellow, and that is the honest truth. We had production help from Christina Lopez and engineering help from Michael Osborne. Special thanks to Josh Holt, Eric Ringham, Shelley Langford, Coco Sanchez, Vicki Kreckler, Peter Cox, Bill Catlin, and Iris Blandon-Gitlin. Before you go, we've got a real true answer to one of your questions. It's the moment of um. Do we still get sponges from the sea, or are they made out of something different? We do still get sponges from the sea. Most of the sponges that we have in our homes that might be to clean our bathroom or to clean our kitchens or to use outside, clean our house, those aren't from the sea. Those are now made from chemicals. Hi, I'm Dr. Jennifer Quinlan, and I study food safety, or how to make sure that people don't get sick from the food that they eat. Sponges from the sea are actually animals. They're not plants or corals, and they tend to absorb a lot more water, and they tend to be softer. To make that sponge from the sea, they actually cut the top of the animal or a piece of the animal and dry it out, and then they actually bleach it to make it the type of sponge that we might see. Sponges that aren't from the sea are made up of a number of different things because they all have slightly different textures. Some of them are squishier and some of them are harder, but they're all made up of what are called polymers, which are plastics. So they're made up of different types of plastic. So the sponges that we use in our kitchens can actually end up letting bacteria grow in them. They hold water, and if there's food caught in them, then you can get bacterial growth. So we have to be really careful with sponges that we use in our kitchen to make sure that we're cleaning them. Um, um, um. And now, a few big squishy high fives for these fine listeners. These are the kids who send in amazing mystery sounds, questions, and drawings. This is the latest group to join the Brains Honor Roll. Brooklyn from Bradenton, Florida, Rosie, Sydney, and Desmond from Belial Bay, New Brunswick, Madison and Hunter from Spokane, Washington, Harlan from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, Annika from Smithers, British Columbia, Tessa from Ottawa, Lennon, Henry, and Cash from Oklahoma City, William from Tallahassee, Florida, Isla from Virginia Beach, Virginia, Elliot from Raven Gap, Georgia, Simone and Connor from Rochester Hills, Michigan, Lucy and June from Akron, Ohio, Sasha from New Hampshire, Caroline from Raleigh, North Carolina, Landon from Cattle Mills, Texas, Beatrix from Portland, Oregon, Iggy and Sabine from Toronto, Katie from Price, Utah, Tiersen and Cora from Madison, Wisconsin, Matthew from Price, Utah, Katie from Colorado Springs, Colorado, Avery from Sacramento, Oliver from Pleasant, Michigan, Griffin from Longview, Washington, Genevieve from Apex, North Carolina, Anthony from Hamilton, Massachusetts, Eloise from North Bay, Ontario, Alessia from Sydney, Australia, Holly from Hillsboro, Oregon, Calvin from Minneapolis, Kaylin from Woodland, California, Amelia from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, Julia from Milwaukee, Scarlett from Nashua, New Hampshire, Skylar from Los Angeles, Ananya from Fremont, California, 
Lauren from Landa Lakes, Florida, Logan, Mason, and Audrey from Queen Creek, Arizona, Liesel from Australia, Evelyn from Larchmont, New York, Ellie from Osaka, Japan, Aria from Miami, Jax from Navari, Florida, Sarah from Toronto, Arden from Lenexa, Kansas, Ophelia from Glendale, California, Lucy from New Haven, Connecticut, Rocky from Cincinnati, Sierra and Taylor from Rochester, New York, Cooper from Wisconsin, Jonathan and Marana from Pasadena, California, Natalie from Kansas City, Alex from Westfield, New Jersey, Jack from Portland, Oregon, Amelia from Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, Athanasius, Conrad and Aaron Marie from Phoenix, and Eleanor from Tucson, Arizona. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Thanks for listening. Come in. Hey, great job out there today, Lai. Why, thank you, Gary. And hey, I have something for you. For me? How delightful. Oh, Gary. It's... It's... The Pineapple Zebra shirt. You liked my shirt so much earlier, I was able to find you a matching one. Twinsies! Oh, Gary. You shouldn't have. <laughs>